There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is all about helping people create more meaningful and purposeful lives and equipping leaders inside organizations to cultivate meaning and purpose that elicits passion, inspired contribution, innovation, and persevering performance. I talk with my guests to draw on their expertise and share my own experience consulting, speaking, and developing workforces across the globe. Every week in these conversations, I hope you walk away with something you can immediately put to use. And if I can do anything to help you along your journey, go to my website at EliseCortez.com and use the Contact Me feature to message me. And let's open a dialogue and explore what's going on for you and how I might be able to help. Whether you want to join the distribution list to stay informed of these radio show topics, you want to see about joining a Catch Fire online inspiration, accountability, or mastermind community to nurture your own purpose or bring it out to the world, you want to look into a purpose-driven leadership program for yourself or your team, which are offered on-site or via webcast. You're interested in the Women on Purpose Thought Leadership Summit in Portland later this fall, or you want me to come speak for your company or conference in any way I'm in. Talk to me and I'm happy to help. Now, on to this week's program. With us is Matt Johnson. He is the founder and CEO of MotiveX. He and his team are on a mission to disrupt the way organizations approach retention, change management, and leadership development. We'll be talking about what he knows best, motivation. We'll discuss how the lack of the understanding of it propels so many poor human capital results inside organizations and how, when leveraged well, leaders can create work environments, job tasks, and team interactions that elicit inspired and persevering performance. Matt comes to us from um, the Pennsylvania area. Matt, welcome to Working on Purpose. Hi, Elise. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. You are so welcome. Um, all right. So, well, let's get into it here. I, I'm going to take as much as I possibly can out of you in the time that we have. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. <laughs> looking, looking, for, looking forward to it here. Yeah. Me, me too. Okay. So, right out of the gate, one of the things that really struck me about what you're up to, Matt, is you positioned in an article that with unemployment now at only 3.8%, that this is the time for CEOs and organizational leaders to focus more on employee engagement and retention than on recruitment and hiring. I completely agree with that. So, first, why do you think so so many companies tend to spend time and money recruiting rather than engagement and retention. I think the first, you know, it's a complicated question, but I think one of the things that I, I saw in my my experience, I was with a, an employee engagement uh, large global agency for uh, close to nine years, and one of the things I saw in that space, which led you know to what I'm doing now, is the fact that uh, you know engagement is such a nebulous you know, kind of, you know, thing that companies are trying to, you know, achieve, right? So there's different, many different definitions and uh, companies, you know, look at, you know, surveys and other other factors to try to figure out what, you know, what fully engages their employees. And as we see from the results over the last, you know, let's just take 15 years, uh, engagement really hasn't budged. It's still at a pretty, you know, pretty nominal, uh, pretty kind of a pathetic level at, at around 32 to 33% globally. So one of the things I I think that organizational leaders, you know, look at is the fact that, you know, they really haven't figured out a solution for this, you know, to really drive engagement. They've, they can identify who is engaged and who's not engaged, but any, any actionable kind of follow 
through to figure out how to actually like increase it has not uh, it's kind of fallen on its on the wayside. So I think from a standpoint of looking at you know the you know acquisition side of things, it's a lot more concrete and it's a lot more um, you know it's a little sexier proposition for organizations to look at you know trying to hire that you know try to hire that. Um, you know, someone who someone who is a, a you know in a very attractive position coming from another you know another competitive organization, or you know someone who's considered that kind of you know hypo or, or rock star, uh, you know rock star leader, opposed to looking internally and seeing how they can potentially develop someone that they you know that they may might not uh, might not you know be able to address at this time because of the fact of the lack of lack of data and insights to be able to do that. Uh, I know this. I'm not sure if that answered your question. Directly, but um, so you know, I just I just think it's one of those factors where I, I don't think they know how to do it. I really I think they you know they HR has t- taken the lead on doing surveys, but surveys it's the same thing as you know taking your cholesterol year over year. You can take you know, you, can, you can look what your cholesterol is, or you can look at what your what your weight is. But if you don't have any action plans on you know any mitigation plans on how to you know address that from a wellness perspective or a weight perspective or uh, you know, even uh, even from a prescription perspective, you're not going to be able to lower, you know, lower lower your um, you know cholesterol or weight. And it's the same thing with engagement. You know, they, they they it's a it's a number. They you know, unfortunately, companies organizations have turned engagement from a verb to a noun. And I think yeah. that's where the biggest and I think that's where the biggest mistake has has fallen upon us over the last you know five ten years is that it's one of those things where you know they benchmark it every year, but other than that, they really don't do anything to to help improve the situation. Mm-hmm. Got it, Matt. And that was that was there was a lot that you gave in that answer. Thank you. Just a couple things in response. Um, one, I really appreciate that you distinguish that it is easier to be able to address recruiting than it is engagement because there's a person missing. We need the person, and that's easier to see sometimes than the extent to which there's discretionary effort being put forth in an organization and things are really getting done in the most effective, efficient way. Totally get that. So that 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 gives our listeners some access, I think, to this topic in a way that maybe they didn't before. And second, I do think it's fair for me to say that I began my human capital career almost 20 years ago as in the recruiting space. So I made a very good living in recruiting. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> so I, I, and I appreciate my fellow recruiters today. I, I just think that to, not to your to your perspective, I think there's another way that organizations need to be looking at human capital and how they're going about developing it and encouraging it to give their best during the day that they're there. Yeah, I agree. And I'm in, in recruiting, you know, don't take it the wrong way. Rec- Recruiting is incredibly important, and there's, you know, certainly with, you know, the fact there's always going to be, a, you know, there's always going to be uh, attrition, and there's going to, you know, you, you're going to have your, you know, your your folks that, um, you know, your regrettable turnover and your, you know, unregrettable turnover, and so there's always going to be the need to, you know, to, to demand the pipeline, uh, you know, for, you know, for future growth and, and you know, folks that are going to be on tap for or, you know, the future mission values and vision of the organization and, you know, having high skilled talent and, and talent that, you know, hopefully is engaged in what your organization is doing is, is, is critical. Um, but it should be looked at the same way where marketers look at, you know, customers in, in a customer life cycle. And, and that's really where it falls down, you know, from an internal organizational standpoint, they, they don't look at it the same way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they it's, it's very, very, uh, it's very tactical opposed to being a strategic, more of a strategic endeavor. And that's why HR sometimes, not their fault, but they're tasked with, you know, a lot of the, you know, recruitment and retention issues, but they don't have necessarily, 
you know, the dotted line to a lot of the folks that will really make, uh, you know, discernible difference in, you know, in, in championing and proselytizing, you know, at the top of the organization. You know, they're kind of left in a left in a vacuum to try to solve it all themselves without the resources and budget and so on and so forth. So uh, it's a, yeah, it's, 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 you know, I don't envy the problem that they have. We're trying to hopefully help them somewhat here. And, you know, so we can do a little bit here. That's, you know, that's what we're trying to do. Well, and right, Matt, and that's what you and I are both up to here, right? That's where we get up in the morning, right? We're, we're here to help. Um, but what you just said about the people at the top not being maybe being able, or even throughout the organization, being able to proselytize uh, the mission of the organization, maybe. Maybe that gets to, you, you cite a very interesting figure uh, in, in one of your articles by Corn Ferry that by it says by 2030, the talent shortage will result in a 23 um, I think it's million, billion, trillion, tr- tr- trillion, trillion yeah. dollar unrealized annual revenues. Okay, two point three trillion dollar unrealized annual revenues. Okay, so first, what does that really tell us? What does that mean? What that's saying is from the, the the lack of having the right people in the right positions and, and having you know and maybe you know being short on you know certain roles within a within a you know a team division or, or you know project. You know you're losing out not only on the you know, the productivity standpoint, but also, you know, the intellectual capital, I think actually has a, it's, you know, that's always a very qualitative, subjective measure. But I think, you know, having folks that, you know, that that understand and are calibrated to the mission and, you know, again, are engaged in the mission of the company, uh, when you have high turnover or not filling the right positions, everybody's exposed at that point. And, you know, we've, we found a lot of our, our research when, you know, when teams are down, you know, either managers are down and, and filling in other territories or filling in other departments. That's sustainable for short periods of time. Everybody can kind of say, listen, we can all pull up our bootstraps and, and help out. But when it goes to extended periods, uh, um, because of the lack of, you know, filling of, of certain roles and, and having high quality leadership, um, that, that takes its toll. And that's, that's when you start to see, you know, burnout and, you know, just basically looking at the fact that, uh, you know, they're going to look for other other positions that they're, you know, getting paid, you know, the same or more with, with maybe less responsibility or less, uh, you know, burden of, of what they need, you know, what, what's put upon them. I totally get that, Matt. Just this afternoon, I'm having a conversation with a company here in Dallas that I'm working with has that very same problem. The attrition is out the door, off the charts, and people are just tired of cutting, you know, watching the revolving door and picking up where somebody left off and, you know, it's just, it's a problem that's completely spiraling out, out of control. So, hence the the, the dialogue. Um, now, that gets me to this next question that I want to ask you at, by the way, Matt. So, one of the things you said on the phone, which I thought was really interesting, is that you said companies are afraid to discover what employees want and need. That seems crazy to me. Why would they be afraid to know? Yeah, it does seem crazy. Um, well, you know, I don't necessarily have you know the the, the quantitative you know there, I mean we've done a lot of uh, you know a lot of research on this and talked to a lot of folks and, and had a lot of focus groups and and you know and through our assessment um, you know it reveals a lot of things but I think one of the biggest reasons is you know they're they're afraid that they won't be able to if they find out what you know what where the gaps are for for you know that fulfillment and alignment for um, you know for their employees that they won't be able to meet the needs because maybe they feel like they won't have either the resources, the time, uh, the budget, you know, the, you know, whether it's a learning platform or learning, you know, learning, uh, you know, learning elements that you're included. I think just, you know, it's, it's the same thing I find when, uh, you know, training, you know, trainings look, you know, does a training initiative for a, you know, a sales launch or for employee base. 
it, it's very far and few between that, you know, they'll really go the extra yard to find out the ROI on that because they're afraid that what if it doesn't, what if it, what if it doesn't turn out that, you know, they find anything that, that was, you know, that they really drove any actionable uh, impact or objective or business results. And then it's kind of put upon them that, you know, the program was, wasn't a success. So I think the exposure to an organization, if they, if they find, if they find they don't have, the environmental factors that they can change or do anything with to actually, you know, create that alignment for their employees, uh, you know, they're fully exposed. But, you know, if they don't, if they don't, if they don't measure it, they'll never know what to do. I mean, they, yes, it, I mean, they, they definitely could could have them, and they probably do have them somewhere. They might not be readily available, or not might not be communicated uh, the way they should be, say, in onboarding or other, you know, the other areas of the, you know, of the organization, but. Um, you know, if they hide from it, they're never going to be able to improve. It's always going to kind of stay the same. You know, they're going to stay the same, um, you know, kind of just basically lackluster, you know, point in time. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it's I think it's just afraid they don't, you know, you know they, they don't they don't have what an employee would actually want. Well, I think your your point about, man, this is so great for our listeners. So listeners catch this, what he's saying here. So it's far better for us to know what, what's, what stands in the way of our employees being engaged and getting what they really want from work than it is not to know and not be able to have take any action from that. But I also want to recognize that I do understand. I can appreciate that that's, that can be a, a terribly overwhelming thought for an organization or a leader to go, well, gosh, what if we find out that they want 26 things and we can give them two. Um, I, I understand that. I, I think that gives our listeners something to be able to stand in too. So thanks, Matt. That was great. Sure. Okay. So before we go on break here, I want to get one more question in here, but that I, that I think really totally expands the conversation, at least from my vantage point from what I'm doing on the show. And that is that you talk about engagement as being, being the lagging indicator of performance in companies, not the leading indicator. I, I love that. And I agree, but say more. Sure. So when employees measure engagement or, or satisfaction, sometimes they, you know, they're, they're exchange, you know, they're exchangeable kind of terms. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're really looking at, you know, kind of past occurrences from what their experiences are within the organization, you know, whether they feel, you know, leadership is communicating, whether they feel like their benefits plans have been uh, up to par, you know, in the past, it's all, it's all things that are, you know, that are, that are past focus. And not looking at something that's predicting what employees want or desire or what will be kind of future trends that they can get ahead of it. They're always, you know, working, working, working in, in kind of, you know, in, in past time in order to, you know, try to, you know, up the ante with what they're doing. And a lot of times what they find is, you know, by the time they make any moves on, you know, what they find through a, you know, through a, through a survey or, um, you know, just working with, with employee groups that they're already behind where they need to go. So, um, and so with motivation, we're, you know, lo- looking at, you know, the predictors of what someone desires, it's, it's showing what someone, you know, what someone wants future wise, not what someone had in the past. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, but let's go ahead and grab our first break if we can, Matt. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We're on the air with Matt Johnson, the founder and CEO of MotiveX Solutions. He joins us today from Philadelphia. We've been talking about the problem of employee engagement in the workplace. After the break, we're going to get into some of the opportunities there are to address it. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Matt Johnson, the founder and CEO of MotiveX. He and his team are on a mission to disrupt the very way organizations approach retention, change management, and leadership development. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, Matt, just before the break, we were talking a bit about, you know, why in- engagement is the, is the lagging indicator of performance. I want to get into something a little bit more deep that I think is really important for our listeners to understand because, as you said, engagement seems like it's just, it's kind of... It's this sort of abstract idea, this concept that they don't really have a lot of access to. So we want to give them access to the to the topic in a way that opens it for them. So you distinguish how organizations measure engagement and satisfaction, though motivation is important to understand because it draws on underlying psychological factors that inspire employees to bring persistence, intensity, and discretionary effort toward a particular goal or set of goals, which, of course, I, I see the same thing from the work that I do. Tell us more about that. Distinguish those those pieces for us. Sure. Uh, a good example is you know take take the the motivation of recognition. So, you know, typically what would be I can just give an example of what typically is is um, looked at on a survey or, or posed on a survey to employees, uh, whether job satisfaction or engagement survey around recognition. Well, they'll ask the question, you know, have you been recognized by your manager in the last fourteen days or last thirty days or something along those lines, and where the problem lies is that you could have the whole organization say, no, we haven't, I haven't been recognized. The company kind of panics and said, you know, we, we need to spend, you know, hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars on, you know, trying to create the culture recognition. We're falling down on that. And we don't, they're not asking the question though, how much do you care about it? How much does that, how much does recognition drive your day to day, you know, motivation, productivity and everything else, um, you know, around it. So, it's it's you know the one thing that I I've seen in my experience in the kind of enterprise engagement space is that not only you know I think we're looking at you know companies are looking at the wrong measurements but they're also when they do find something they create this you know kind of umbrella approach to everything which then maybe accounts for forty percent of the population but the other sixty uh, is like well we didn't ask for this we don't want this and this is actually you know taking away from you know things that I actually we do you know, like desire and, and are motivated by and, and whatnot. So uh, it just, just not, not enough drill down for what, you know, actually people care about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. I failed to also mention that I spent about three years working for also an employee engagement organization, which is I learned a lot and I love the work. And I consider the work that I'm doing today to help people discover their passion, inspiration, and purpose to be a really a, a growth component of what I was doing then. So I, I want to say that I, I've, I've been in that space, too, and I love it. Um, okay, I want to go on 
next to, to the idea of extrinsic and intrinsic motivation for our listeners. I think most of us have heard those terms before. I studied them myself, but distinguish them for us. Sure. Uh, you know, starting with extrinsic. So extrinsic is things that are kind of outside of us that that create, um, you know, can create, you know, drive purpose uh, and motivation. You know, things like salary benefits. Um, it could be even things like, you know, uh, title, you know, go, go looking at uh, wanting to, you know, be promoted. Uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of carrot and stick. We've heard those, those terms before. A lot of the things that, you know, extrinsic rewards are mentioned a lot. And there are things like, you know, when a company goes above, over and above kind of the, you know, traditional comp or salary where they're, you know, providing points programs or gift cards or, or you know, travel incentive programs. Uh, the punitive side is, you know, things like, you know, if you're if you, if you don't get this project on time, you're going to go on a plan, or you're you know you're <laughs> you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to you know you're going to have to you know work the next you know ten Saturdays. So, extrinsic is, is is really outside forces that impact you know your motivators and you know th- things that affect your kind of day to day work life, right? And they're also in personal life too, but just we're talking about you know in the workplace, where ex- where intrinsic motivators are are things that are you know, inherent in someone. So this is kind of what, what gets you up in the morning is kind of the best way to, to think about this. These are things that are coming from within and you're doing uh, initiative or task or project because of the fact that it gives you pleasure, you know, it provides learning opportunities, it provides growth, and you're doing it because of the fact that, you know, it could be reasons uh, for, you know, collaboration because you enjoy working with your team, you know, your teammates or your colleagues or the fact that, you know, you're altruistic and you enjoy, you know, mentoring, you know, new employees or other ones that you've, you know, kind of taken under your wing because you've experienced certain things. So you're doing it because of the fact that uh, it's just inherent in who you are and it, and it actually, you know, creates kind of that, of that, you know, alignment and purpose in your day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And that really gets, of course, to the stuff that I like to talk about, right? So part of the reason that I wanted to have you on the show, Matt, is um, I think that the whole you know motivation for me is, speaks to it's the juice of life, right? It's the stuff that fires life. And so, of course, we want to be able to get access to that and be able to find a way to unleash it, if you will, and, 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 and nurture it. And, and, and thus, therefore, you say that motivation is the leading indicator and predictive of engagement, satisfaction, and whether or not somebody intends to leave an organization. Completely agree. Um, um, and you also went on to say in one of the articles that it, it really does get to more of the core of the person, whatever matters to them. So say a little bit more about that, and then I want to comment as well. Sure. So when, when you talk about motivation, um, let's just, let's just, we'll stay on the intrinsic kind, so the inherent kind. And that, and again, intrinsic motivators, you know, a few examples that, that people uh, might be aware of from recent literature from, you know, the Dan Pinks of the world and some other behavioral economists and such or things like autonomy, collaboration, a sense of purpose, learning, you know, mastery of learning, things of that nature. Uh, recognition is a big one. So the whole thing around motivation is it's one thing to know what motivates someone, right? So that's, that's yeah, if I, at least if I know that you're motivated by, you know, collaboration, working in teams, that's great. But if you don't have the opportunity to tap into that, in your current workplace, that's a big disconnect. So the whole thing here, and, and I know you're a, a you know big fan of looking at fulfillment and alignment uh, for for folks in the you know in the workplace, it's creating those. It's really about the fact that we all have our motivators. Whatever whatever strong you know some are stronger than others, uh, and the fact is, instead of managers trying to 
you know, quote unquote, motivate you by saying you need to do this. It's understanding your motivators and it's really looking at how do you enhance or change the environment to meet those motivators you, you already have. So that's a much, you know, it's, in, in, in behavioral economics terms, it's called, you know, that's called the restraint, you know, the, the, there's the driving forces and, and the restraining forces and they're more the environment fact, environmental factors of someone who loves to, if you love to collaborate, it's, you know, giving you more situations to work in teams or to pick who you can work with on a project, um, you know, to lead a project, those type of things. So, you know, that's really what it is. It's a lot easier to, you know, tap into the environment than it is to try to change you, the person. You know, you already have your motivators. Yeah, and and so and there's two things I'd say to that. Then, if I can, Matt. So one is, um, you know, would that t- that requires that the the manager or the leader know the person, right? What are what are those key intrinsic motivators for them? What 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 is it that lights their fire? Um, and then two, what I find just is so amazing is, you know, it's so easy to be able to help employ. It's not easy. It's part of your languaging, and you need to learn how to do it. I don't want to say it, take that away from it, but to be able to help people understand how their their individual role fits into the overall execution of the organization's mission and when you can do that when you can language that intrinsically that really opens the space and just quickly I was out at a, at a networking event last week and I was talking to a woman I asked what she did and she said well I work in the mortgage business and I'm a and I said hmm so you make people's dreams come true and she stood there and she looked back and she went yeah I guess so. I said, well, why don't you introduce yourself with that? <laughs> and, you know, it was just, she goes, I don't think about it that way during the day because I get caught up in the in the weeds. I'm like, I totally get that. But, you know, that's one, to me, that's one of the examples of how to, how to tap into the existing environment and language something that's already there to connect it in a way that elicits that or, or t- taps into that intrinsic motivation. It's just, it's there. You just have to tap into it. I totally agree. Absolutely. It's a beautiful thing, yeah. Hey, yeah, um, and it's it's not that hard, but I do you do have to get into the habit of it, and that's part of what I work with when I'm doing leadership development as well. Um, okay, the next thing that you talked about, which I think is golden, Matt. I love that the way you handle this and the way you address this, you and your team. So you talk about how the Gallup engagement tool does not have a pull through plan on the deficiency of the engagement results. So I don't know that I've ever heard the the term pull through plan. So let's talk about that. Sure. So, I, and I don't want to single out Gallup. I mean, Gallup, Gallup's their their survey. Uh, you know, it's been you know it's been kind of the the foremost employee engagement survey for you know for a couple of decades now. It, it, what happens in those surveys, and and whether it's Gallup or another you know another consultancy that has a survey, is that you know typically they'll they'll, they'll provide the you know leadership or HR with you know where the results are, and not always, but you know most of the time you know they kind of just leave the you know. Well, now it's electronic, but before it was a you know big big pile of reports, you know, to both kind of lovingly admire and, and realize, well, what do I do next? So it's really the what do I do next from an actionable standpoint. So when you talk about pull through, it's looking at, you know, if I find out there's a deficiency within, you know, recognition or within, you know, leadership communication or within, uh, you know, say there's you know a gap in the fact that there's you know not very a very autonomous environment at the organization. There's you know kind of a micromanaging kind of culture there. Like the whole thing of what do you do next? Uh, how how do you create you know not only a systematic you know kind of organization enterprise wide approach, but how how can you work with you know individual or frontline 
leaders and managers for them to kind of lean into their situation because everybody's situation will be a little different right so and, and you're also if you wait for the organization especially if it's a you know, Fortune 500 company with 50,000 employees, you know, it, it may take three years for them to, you know, create create that systematic change for some of the things that are considered deficiencies in organization. So it's a lot easier for a manager to look at those things and kind of pick the low-hanging fruit and say, well, I, you know, I can, I can make incremental changes by, you know, shifting this or changing that or doing my best to be, you know, taking the, you know, corporate communication and kind of translating it for my team uh, so they understand the why behind why we're doing things, or at least you know, at least as far as you know, we can we can you know gather. So, um, so I think that's that's the biggest issue. Is again, it's it's you can lovingly admire you know your your eighty one score and your engagement score, but to increase that to an eighty five the next for the next year, it's it's doing those things that actually you know create that you know be, that positive behavior change, and that's what usually is lacking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, two things, if I, maybe one, one for sure. One is that I hear this all the time when I'm working with organizations about their leadership development and what I'm trying to help them with. And we, when we talk about if they do do an employee engagement survey, I am astonished at the number of organizations who don't share even just base level results with the whole team. They don't even know. There's a big old vacuum out there. They have no idea. Well, that engagement survey that we took way back in January, what happened with that? I mean, what's your what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I used to see that a lot. With I mean, I still see it. But when I was with um, when I was with my former company, that you know, we would actually come in a lot of times and and, and do a lot of the tactical and, and the strategic efforts to do the pull through for the results or, or the you know, especially the deficiencies that they would see. Um, so you know, so what happens there? It, you know, when you when you have those times where the organization waits four months or they never, you know, a lot of times that they never see or hear the results of the um, you know of the survey and and that and then the companies wonder why participation is down you know year after year why you know people have that kind of mantra click five click five to survive where the you know the the, the results are <laughs> organic or they're not you know they're not really you can't really trust the results because you know people are just saying you know kind of screw it you know if they're not going to do anything about it why should i care about this and just you know just click 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 um and, and so you know one of the things, one of the mechanisms that, you know, companies are, are starting to do a little more or, or what, you know, some of the, uh, the companies that are that are building in, you know, whether it's pulse surveys or other types of, uh, you know, is at least having a, a quick hit report for the individuals um, that they can at least see, you know, whether it's, a, a, you know, their team information or whether it's their own personal information, how, how it compares to the rest of the organization or the rest of their team. And, so that doesn't make an excuse not to, you know, have a deep dive into, you know, what the company's going to do to, you know, kind of try to create solutions for the big problems in the organization or, or at least communicate that they acknowledge those, kind of get the elephant out of the room on those. So, you know, that's one of the things, again, where I think there's that disconnect between HR and leadership where leadership a lot of times when it comes to engagement and other types of, you know, assessments that are related to that. It's kind of like a click box, right? This is something we need. You know, we need to do it annually. But do they really? Are they leaning into that? Are they championing that? Are they on the side of the HR to say, "Hey, listen, when we get these results back, you know, we need a steering committee that's going to communicate out to each of the divisions of the teams and saying that, "Hey, we got the results. We're going to be communicating these in the next couple of weeks or the next, you know, within 30 days." And then we want, you know, folks from kind of the ground level to be part of that as well uh, to get people, you know, get people. Um, you know, kind of entrenched into the organizational mission. You know, they can they can be part of, you know, 
the changes in the organization. So uh, that's really still very, that's ex- extremely far and few between at this point still, unfortunately. The, um, but, you know, at least some of the initial, you know, the initial reporting of individual data is being put out there. So at least it, it gives, you know, at least it's it's one of those things that at least kind of keeps the wolves from the door for a little bit until they can get, you know, a bigger swath of data and, and report that. Yes. And I'll just quickly comment. I want to make sure and acknowledge this because I've worked with I work with many, many leaders on these kinds of issues and in their own development. I do recognize that an employee engagement report can really indicate and, and show something of, of a leader that maybe he or she isn't really ready to share publicly, um, that they maybe don't communicate well or they don't give enough praise or whatever it is. And I really want to recognize and acknowledge, you know, it's it's. Being being a leader is not for the faint of heart, and I really appreciate the journey that people are on to develop themselves to become better leaders. And I don't want to imply that, you know, that any judgment or whatnot that you know if you're not sharing your results, I do understand why. I just know that the negative ramifications of not doing it are, I think, outweigh the the good. But recognize maybe some of the why behind that as well individually, why people are reticent to share their results. Yeah, no, I agree. And with that, let's grab our last break, Matt. It goes by so fast, doesn't it? Uh, I'm, I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Matt Johnson. He is the founder and CEO of MotiveX. He joins us today from Philadelphia. We've been talking a bit about the opportunity that organizations have to really address employee engagement. After the break, we're going to talk about what companies can do armed with the knowledge of what motivates their workforce. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Matt Johnson. He's the founder and CEO of MotiveX. He and his team are on a mission to, to disrupt the way organizations approach retention, change management, and leadership development. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Love what you're up to, by the way, Matt. That's fantastic. I'm with you. Thank you. You're welcome. So I hope that this next thing that we're going to talk about is encouraging to our listeners. I hope that this gives them a pause to consider that there really is something in here for them. And that is, I read in one of the articles that you that you have out that it's, it's about the future leader um, and that future leaders tell their managers, stop trying to motivate your people. Instead, put them in situations where they are motivating themselves. Yeah, I, I think this is you know this is really what we've found from our research, um, you know, because what we're you know what we're measuring in our you know in our assessment tool is is that we're measuring not only what what someone desires or you know what their ideal motivators are, but 
what they're getting out of their current workplace, like I mentioned earlier. So it's really looking at that, you know, it's that misalignment or gap between what I want and what I'm getting. And so if you just provide a little bit more what, you know, from those high motivators, if you provide, if there's a gap there, if you can, you know, if you can provide uh, your employees with more of that, you know, whether it's learning opportunities, if they're, you know, high in learning, uh, you know, recognition, if there's a gap within recognition, um, you know, things like collaboration we mentioned earlier about, you know, creating more, more, you know, teamwork environments or opportunities for uh, collaboration and teamwork. So it's, it's the things, you know, and what we found in our, and especially when we have those kind of stakeholder uh, leadership, you know, kind of consults, uh, yeah, after the assessment, is that there's there's so many elements. I mean, basically, what I what you know what our what our team does when we sit down with our you know sit down with our clients is really get them talking. You know, get get enough constituents in the room, whether it's you know folks from marketing HR. You know, we can get a, a CFO or a COO, or you know, if it's a mid-sized company, maybe we can get the CEO in the room. But get them. T- talking about things and what ends up happening is really they, they, they come to realize it's a lot of a lot of things that they can you know they got called the low-hanging fruit that they can make small changes that would affect a lot of what they're seeing and the kind of the I don't I hate to call it negative results because it's really the assessment's not punitive it's really just it's really kind of exposing where the disconnects are within the organization from a motivational standpoint um, but if you're able to identify those then then you can put people in better positions from a standpoint of there's a gap in learning, you know, to create more more learning opportunities um, and have them lean into their, you know, in, into their motivators that they actually desire and care about. Okay, so I love that. And in fact, um, I thank you for letting me take your assessment. And let's just talk a little bit about that. Because again, what I want to do here, Matt, is I want to give our listeners as much actionable um, access to this stuff as, as we can to open the space so they can see how they can move the dial. So your assessment measures um, ten along 10 motivational dimensions. And um, obviously for me, no surprise, the mine came up very high for autonomy and learning. Mm, shock. <laughs> um, I learned so much by doing this radio show. That's why I do it 226 episodes in Um, but I want to talk about how leaders and companies can use the results to create that that more compelling work scenario and environments to increase motivation so let's get specific so let's say that somebody's high in autonomy and innovation for their motivation so what could a leader do to address those motivational needs in the work environment or their job assignment or even the team dynamics Sure. So, so we do it, you know, so our assessment, there's, uh, you know, a couple different components. So there, there is definitely a, a team or kind of a group aggregate approach to looking at if there's, you know, if there's trends within teams, divisions, or, you know, throughout the enterprise. And then there's the individual uh, component where a manager can, you know, focus on the, the motivators and the gaps in those motivators with the individual to kind of create a kind of a I, I hate to call it a performance plan. We're not saying this takes the place of a, of a performance review, but it certainly can create a conversation that, you know, a lot of times would be maybe a little difficult conversation or it could be an anecdotal conversation that doesn't provide necessarily the framework to make changes. So if you, if, you, if it's autonomy where most people would be a little apprehensive to, to talk to the manager about them being a micromanager and, and not allowing them to say work from home once or twice a week or to, you know, to not be, uh, you know, handheld with assignments that they, you know, that are, they're over their desk all the time looking at where they are in the progress. So this basically creates a very safe environment, um, you know, for a manager to be able to see if, if there's trends across their teams and to look at what can we do now that we see that there's a big gap, you know, hey, our whole team wants collaboration or they want innovation. 
um, but they feel like they're not getting it. So let's let's address that. What what can I do as a manager, and what are we maybe is the organization not providing that we can kind of hit it hit it from both ends? But also, how can how can my team, if we sit down and look at you know the individual results and and have a conversation with the team, how can the individuals kind of from a bottom up approach? lean into those as well. Um, there's a lot of scenarios that we see with, say, learning, for example, that, yes, the, the organization certainly can provide learning opportunities when it comes to, you know, whether a company has a learning management system that provides, you know, that type of training or whether, you know, they offer uh, off-site seminars or continuing education or mentoring. But a lot of times the individual, uh, you know, there's a responsibility there to say, listen, you know, I want more learning, you know, instead of just mentioning something, you know, in the lunchroom to their manager, they could put together, you know, a one page kind of executive summary that says, here's a seminar I'd love to go to. Here's how I think it could have could, you know, benefit, you know, my my current and future, you know, my future, uh, you know, situation here in the organization. And here's where I think it could help our team and kind of put together, you know, kind of put together a proposal and, uh, and not enough people do that where they, you know, basically, you know, create uh, situations where a manager will, will be, take them seriously, you know, or really, you know, look at how could, you know, th- this is something that obviously means something to this employee or my, you know, my, you know, my team, and we need to really take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Just really quick on that front, Matt, it's so interesting. I, I gave an interview on a, a show called The Cheeky Scientist last week, and um, this is for, is to help um, PhDs around the world get more meaningful, well-paid work. And um, the person I was interviewing said that you know if people that have probably a PhD are, are maybe more inclined to and need to learn more than you know the average person across the planet, and I would I would certainly put myself in that category. My PhD is in human development, but anyway, the point being, I love what you're saying about this notion of well, if this is important to you now, what what I see your the work that you're doing can do is it opens the dialogue. So if we now know that. One team member is motivated by autonomy and and, and learning. Um, okay, so now what we've we've now there's a recognition on both sides of of the table that they need that want that. Okay, now as you say, now can we put it on the employee to go out there and create a proposal or a training plan for themselves that maybe meets within the budget or whatever it is that lets them at least ask for what they're looking for. And to me, that's that's where the opportunity is, right? If we can at least get the employee and the the manager talking about what they want and need and how to create a better more compelling environment then we're moving the needle yeah exactly yeah i totally agree okay okay so you know i can't let you go without asking the next question right you know i got to talk about meaning and purpose because that's my space so i i know that when i'm out when i'm out speaking to audiences that those really land for people people are hungry for meaning they're hungry for purpose and so I find that organizations that address that are just, they're, they're better situated. And so um, what is your perspective your, or your experience on how companies can harness these motivations in the workplace? Um, so this, you know, the whole idea around this, I mean, we, we've, we've created, you know, kind of a, a business case around, you know, how this can lead to, you know, we, we actually have a self-contained ROI. Uh, we did a whole meta-analysis with our PhDs to create, you know, to look to look at by closing the gap, by closing the gaps even incrementally, you know, the significance of driving, you know, engagement, productivity, uh, you know, actual numbers for, you know, dollar numbers for, you know, turnover costs and things of that nature. But the true, the true, you know, kind of the true mission that we're on is about creating uh, fulfillment in the workplace. In- creating you know purpose in the workplace and you know when 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 motivators are aligned 
you're certainly going to have a you know a much easier time you know kind of create you know reducing that friction for employees to be you know in in alignment with the mission you know, with the mission value and and the kind of the meaning of the organization. Um, so that I think what you're talking about with meaning and fulfillment is incredibly important, and and it's you know it's paramount for what we're what we're you know what we're trying to build here. But a lot of times, from a standpoint of individuals, they get they get that. But from a standpoint of the organization, a lot of times that's too fluffy for them. Unfortunately, at this mm-hmm. point, at least, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it will. I don't think it will stay that way. But unfortunately, when you're talking to you know, uh, you know, VP of operations or a sales leader, uh, they want to see what can what can this do to, to drive, you know, retention, and what can it do to and drive discre- drive discretionary effort, which will then lead to pro- productivity and, and sales numbers increases. But the whole idea here is to create meaning and purpose for the individuals, and which leads then to all the things we're talking about. Absolutely, so, that so, was the so thread I, that I was going to take next. Exactly. So I agree that that is the you know really that's. If you have to kind of identify kind of the singular um, most important part of this, it's that's what it's doing. It's create it's creating alignment, meaning, and purpose for the individual. Right. And so how I was going to bring that over is that, you know, if we understand what, what is meaning, well, it's what's meaningful or significant to the, to the individual. And so if learning is significant to that, to that person, well, then that's meaningful and that's how you can map it over. And that's why I think what you're doing is so useful because it really does get to the place where it can help create a work environment that is more meaningful, more motivating for the, for the organization, for the, for the individual. And then when you think that a leader, a big reason that I'm doing the work that I'm doing, Matt, is, you know, Work is a really important part of life. It's about 40 for 40% of our life, in fact. And so, one, if we can, if we as leaders can create a more meaningful environment that elicits motivated employees, um, wow, we've just impacted 40% of their lives. I'm up for that. And that's, that's legacy, that's contribution, that's making a difference in the world while you're executing to the mission. I think that sounds pretty amazing. It does to me. <laughs> right? I'd get up yeah. for that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, we're almost out of time, Matt. I want two more questions if I can, really quick. Sure. So I, I got to believe that as you've been doing this work that you've stumbled across maybe some interesting insights or gleaned something about companies or how they're managed or human capital than maybe you didn't expect. Anything show up that's been surprising for you? Uh, I think one of the things, so just to kind of key on one of our motivators that that typically would not be thought of as, I mean, it's, it's an intrinsic motivator, but one of those things that isn't, isn't necessarily talked about in literature and things like, you know, like Dan Pink is, is rationality. So, you know, rationality is the motivator where someone desires having, you know, kind of logical transparency, the why behind decisions in organizations. And what we've seen in the last, you know, I'll say the last, you know, 10 to 12 months since we've, you know, launched the assessment in a commercial, you know, kind of commercial form is that there's so many organizations that are going through, you know, change all kinds of change management. Whether it's you know acquiring other companies, merging with the companies, ERP implementations, or just you know reorganizations or, or you know kind of cultural transformation. The one thing that we're seeing across the board is rationality. There's a huge gap in rationality because a lot of times the organization is either thinking, well, we don't want to you know we don't want to bore the you know our, our our employees with the minutia of what's going on day to day about decisions, but they're also you know, there's a lot of times where they're kind of keeping things from because it's, you know, they're kind of behind closed doors about negotiations or things that are going on. But what that's doing is that's driving a that's driving a huge, you know, huge, uh, you know, huge gap within, you know, f- people within the organization feeling like 
to, you know, they understand the purpose and the why behind why decisions are being made that affect them, that affect their day-to-day um, existence in the organization. So that's a communication issue. And that's one that's, that's you know, on the surface is easily solved. Uh, you know, again, it, just, it takes leadership to be able to say, you know, we need to be more transparent with, with things that we can be. I mean, there's certain things, you know, from a standpoint of if there's an acquisition or something like that going on, they can't, you know, they can't reveal certain things to a certain point. But, um, but not have people guessing and not have people saying, well, I guess I should get my resume together because we're going through the fourth, the fourth change in the last two years. Um, so it's really, you know, again, being openly transparent and, um, you know, just allowing people to understand the why behind why things are going on. And it doesn't mean they actually have to agree with every decision that a company or leadership is making, but as long as they understand why they're doing, why they're going the path they're going, then it's a, that's, it's, it alleviates a lot of that friction and disconnect. Mm-hmm. Excellent point. Okay. So rationality and communication is super important. <clears throat> We're, we are pretty much out of time, but in 20 seconds, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Uh, I think the, you know, the, the kind of the, the final point I'll make here is the fact that, um, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, motivation and other things like purpose and everything, it's, you know, when you're working with other individuals, so it's not just from a standpoint of top down or bottom up, it's, you know, the peer to peer part of this is incredibly important to understand, uh, you know, what motivates your team members and what, you know, what kind of drives them from a standpoint of, you know, things that they desire and, and how, how can we be better, we be, you know, how we be better colleagues and friends and, and kind of teammates by understanding that as well. So one of the things we've seen that's, that's been highly successful is when this information, and, it, and there's no anonymity to this. So, it, you know, this, this is one assessment that is not scrubbed from a data point because there's really no wrong answers. Um, but when, when groups or teams have shared this within peer groups, there's been an, a, a far greater acceleration of driving that environmental factors because they all can kind of say, "Hey, this is what this is what is missing. Here's what I suggest," and and understanding each other uh, um, just creates a, a far more aligned and fulfilled environment for everybody involved. That's a great point. And with that, Matt, we're out of time. I thank you so much for joining us. It has been a pleasure to have this conversation with you. No, thank you so much, Elise. Really appreciate it, and it's a great show. Absolutely. And listeners, if you want to learn more about Matt Johnson and the company MotiveX or their motivation assessment, visit either revivemotivation.com. I love that, revivemotivation.com or motivexsolutions.com. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We were on the air with Sophie McLean, who shared her intense pursuit of adventure, yearning to discover an existential meaning and escape the tedious routine of her life. And in confronting her own sadness and despair, she chose numerous experiential and spiritual expeditions to develop her consciousness and competencies, which she now uses to coach and train leaders and politicians across the world. Pretty riveting conversation. Next week, we'll be talking with Maria Fuller, who runs two brands designed to empower our next generation of girls. She is truly on a mission. Tune in and we'll see why. See you there. Remember that works at least one third of our life. So let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. <laughs>